You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. I hope you're not mad that I talk fast. I got rhymes that are silly. Wishing you were... Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Steven and I'm here with a special guest that will probably be one of the best podcast voices you've ever heard. His name is Darius Person. Dang. Wow. Appreciate that, man. That's That's welcoming. Come on. I love that. Darius is going to be leading our program. We we actually work for a program called Forerunner Mentoring in Dallas, Texas. And Darius is coming on our staff as the junior high and high school coordinator. And so what that looks like is he's going to get jacked working out in the gym, mentoring boys, teaching them how to become men of God, connecting them to mentors. And what else are you going to be doing? Eating donuts with them in the morning <laughs> before school. Eat donuts with them and then go work out with them. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a good plan. I love it. It's like a full, it's like the weather, like, I don't know, the rain cycle. (laughs) (laughs) Darius, can you, can you freestyle? I don't know. I mean, I tried. I put myself out there. Uh, yeah. We on a podcast. Finna hurt this freestyle. I ain't talking about a cast. Uh, cause I do it real good. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I would. Shout out Jesus. He died on the wood. Uh, they just came off the dome. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Oh, it's so good. Well, I'm excited for people to get to know you, Darius. And I know you're going to probably interview a few people coming up. So I'm excited for, for them to just hear your story, hear where your questions are coming from. But mm-hmm. I mean, as we jump into getting to know you, I want to hear the manliest thing that you've ever done. If I'm going to trust you to lead my podcast, I need to know what kind of man I'm, I'm bringing into this. <laughs> manliest thing man one thing about me is that i'm i'm not super handy but i am handy i can do you oh, know break it down like the simple stuff you know i can change a tire you know what i'm saying that's good i can i can i can do the basics you know but i'm not like just that guy that knows every single thing about tools and how to fix stuff and all of that so i'm gonna just say i've changed the tire because that's important hey that counts. Yep. That's super manly. I mean, women do that too, but like, <laughs> but that's that's good. So I love it. And did you change a tire for like an old lady? Because that would be super manly. If it was just your own tire, I don't know if it counts. I've, I've changed my wife's tire. That counts. Okay. You know, it, it made me feel like a good husband, you know, just, be, just being able to do that, you know. You were there for her. Yeah. Oh, I also changed my spark plugs too. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. That so. sounds challenging. It's it's really easy. You just take off like some screws and <laughs> buy some new spark plugs at AutoZone and just need just you need like like a ratchet and a socket and get in there and you get it. Get it out and replace it. Okay. Yeah, and make sure that you put some 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 oil grease on it so when you change out the next spark plugs, you won't have a hard time. They're not stuck out. in there. Yep. Okay. So. so when you plug them in, make sure you plug them in with some grease. Yep. 
That's good. Darius, I'm learning new things. Hey, trying to be better man, you know? So how, how did you get your wife to marry you? What What's the story there? So uh, one thing about Lauren is that she doesn't like attention. And so with us getting to know each other when we started dating, we kind of knew like off the rip, like, yeah, we want to get married. We're not dating just to date. We both were wanting to get married. So once we got engaged, we kind of like planned the engagement and and the marriage as well. So it was 2018 and you know, we was like, yeah, we're getting married this year. Like, I, I just felt like, yeah, I'm going to marry you this year. So get ready. Don't know when, don't know what time and date location <laughs> but get ready so that so that's how you walked into this relationship and you were just like i'm gonna marry you i just want you to know <laughs> so we were um we were introduced by our best friends from college and that's how we met and we just started talking then so yeah we dated for a year got engaged and got married three months later come on that's amazing and you've yeah, been married buddy. three years now two two years two years November Three 3rd. in the spirit, two in, in actuality. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, that's awesome. Darius, you, you're you a very prophetic guy. You have a bunch of dreams. You told me that your mom is like a dreamer mm-hmm. and not, not just like she's thinking about things, but it's like you're seeing what's coming. Yeah, she'd be spot on. It's kind of like, it's scary. Tell like us, tell us a story. What story? Like, like which story? You wanna... <laughs> so that's happened more than once. Yeah, man. Yeah. She would have dreams. It'd be spot on. So she had a dream. My cousin went to jail. And the next week, he was in jail. No way. Yep. That's like minority report stuff. Man. Yeah. She didn't like tell him like, hey, like, <laughs> be watch careful out. this week. <laughs> you might want to think about your decisions this week. I had a... I had a, I had a dream, but yeah, like it's like, it's a gift that she have and I have it as well. And yeah, I'm just grateful, grateful for that. You know, God gives us heads up about things and it's a, it's a, a gift that you have to be entrusted with, you know, to know who to pray for and things to be aware of. So, yeah. That's good. Have you had any dreams about me? <laughs> uh, not yet. Not yet. I'll let you know. Okay. I want to know <laughs> if I'm about to do something stupid. I want you to tell me just be like, Hey man, I had a dream. You were like, I don't know, walking across the street, not looking both ways. You better look both ways, Steven. I had a dream being caught into your bed with a, with a razor in his hand and he just shaved off your mustache. Oh, if y'all haven't seen Steven's mustache, by the way, <laughs> go to forerunnermidtorn.com and it will make your day more better. Wow. I don't think my, my mustache is on the website, but. Oh, okay. It's, it's like an older picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but. Follow th- Steven on Instagram. Hey, at- you can find, you can find <laughs> me. Good luck. Um, well, Darius, I want to talk about why you're in the room. Uh, obviously, you have a lot of experience mentoring kids from hard places. You have done high school ministry. You've worked for Young Life. You've just kind of been a man of God in the church, in the school, investing in kids, being a mentor, would love, would love for you to kind of share your background experience and, and where, where you've, I guess, put in reps when it comes to mentoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in Jackson, Tennessee all my life. And 
Uh, gave my life to Christ at age 13, but rededicated my life at age 17. Just a young man searching for himself. Just struggled with idolatry against God. My identity was in sports, and there was a way that I felt noticed and seen and felt significant. Um, and the Lord drew me to himself through that, through injuries, just through many various conversations with many mentors in my life who knew the Lord and kind of showed me like, hey, man, like you need God because your identity is in sports. So after that, man, I just developed this hunger for God in his word and had my eyes opened up to who God really was. And right away, just started just sharing my testimony of what God was doing. I couldn't keep it to myself. And went off to college and got involved with FCA. I was over that. I was president over FCA in college at Belton University. Was very engaged with campus ministry. Was just super excited about being a lot on campus and just sharing Jesus with my teammates and peers on campus. So that was pretty much my first experience of just just being in ministry, just learning what it's learning what it looks like, you know, to yeah share Jesus with people in a in an organized setting, you know. So then after that, man, I got involved with church ministry, youth ministry. And yeah, just I just saw that man, like, I love this. You know, this this gives me life. I feel fulfilled. I just feel alive doing this and it's my calling. It's what God has called me to do. So after college I joined Young Life Staff in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was placed as a missionary at Manassas High School. And did that for three years, and the Lord led me and my wife to Dallas and came across Forerunner. So here I am. That's good, man. Well, I want to hear, yeah, just some of the things that you've learned over the years, but primarily maybe we could start with who was mentoring the 17-year-old Darius, mm. who's just rededicated his life to Jesus. Who was investing in your mm. life at that time? Yeah. So I would say it was it was a lot, man. A lot of people, you know, you like when you look back over your life, you're like, man, like that person was a mentor in my life for two weeks or three months or three years. But the one that that really made an impact was my mentor, Stephen. Not Stephen Mary, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Stephen was on Young Life staff. No, he was a Young Life volunteer in high school and. He came to the high school with some Young Life leaders and they invited us to Young Life Club and uh, he got my number and invited me to dinner. We went to, was it was it TGI Fridays? And he challenged mm. me to eat a, uh, the uh, Colossal Burger. Wow. Uh, it's a challenge. Yeah. And I regretted it, man. It was <laughs> it was a big burger. So yeah. So yeah, Steven uh, was in my life and he um, walked life with me, life on life. And yeah, I think about Barry Cox, FCA and Jackson, John Powell. Man, I think about mentors who they didn't invest into me spiritually, but just as a mentor, as in just life. You know, Johnny Dodd, Boys and Girls Club was a huge impact on my life as a young man as well. So so you were going, when you were in like elementary school, you were doing Boys and Girls Club or? Mm -hmm. Yep. Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. Played baseball through that. Gilliam League in Jackson, Tennessee. So yeah, I was always involved, you know, with after school programs and things like that. There was a way to stay out of trouble. Well, and I mean, what do you mean stay out of trouble? Because uh, as a kid, you're probably not thinking about, oh, mom's put me in this stuff, so I stay out of trouble. Yeah. But like what what's going on in your head? You're like, as a kid, doing all these after school activities that mm -hmm. you're being put in. Well, you know, you mentioned my mom. I mean, she was just a wise woman. 
Like she always She had a me. dream. That's why she was <laughs> boys and girls. Club. Yeah, like she was she was, you know, just a very wise woman, man. Like she, you know, always gave me words of advice and she always told me to stay away from the crowd. You know, meaning like if it's a big crowd, then probably you shouldn't be around that. Big crowds were gangs, big crowds were people who were probably up to no good. So I was always the kid who knew right from wrong. And my friends knew my mama, like they knew that my mama didn't play. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I just was a kid who had a vision, you know, to just, you know, do the right thing, man. And and you know, how I grew up in, in the projects and in, in, in project housing, you know, you kinda gaze at where you wanna be and now where you wanna be. I mean, I, I don't even know I don't I don't remember you sharing the story about your dad, but what was his mm-hmm. investment in your life? Yeah, so my mom and my dad didn't stay together. They didn't get along. Uh, I mean, my mom, you know, she battled with um, addiction, alcohol addiction. My dad did as well. So they didn't get along. They didn't speak as much. But my dad was around. You know, he came and got me on the weekends and things like that. So he was, he was yeah, around. So as a kid going to an after-school program in probably a similar situation to most of the boys that are in our program, mm-hmm. Do you reflect back on that experience in what, what is that like? Just yeah. like thinking about that experience and. Man, it's like, it's, it's so many kids who do not have a caring adult in their life. And what I mean by that is a lot of kids, emotional needs are met and my emotional needs was not met. My physical needs were, but I wasn't asked, Hey, how you feeling? How can I pray for you? You know, how you doing? How was school? Um, it was none of that, you know. So I got my needs met at the Boys and Girls Club. I got my emotional needs met at Young Life or at practice or, you know, at school, you know. So, yeah, I look back like, wow, like um, I'm grateful, you know, for those safe safe havens that I can go to after school and during the summer. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, it's not just the people, it's the spaces mm-hmm. as well that – you think of yeah of where were the places that people invested in my me emotionally or spiritually mm-hmm. and you think back to those places and that's mm-hmm. where volunteers were pouring into you yeah it was a place where i felt like oh i'm welcome here i belong here people know my name i'm noticed i'm seen and that's important for every kid to have every every young kid cuz a lot of kids aren't welcomed they don't feel welcomed at home they don't feel seen at home they don't feel yeah, noticed. So for them to have an outlet as as forerunner or whatever it is 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 going to benefit their life all around. It's going to benefit their schooling. It's going to benefit how they see their life. So, so why why would a kid not feel welcome at home? Man, I think about my story. I mean, I never knew what I was coming home to. Mm. So that caused some anxiety. I could be at school thinking like, man, am I going to come home to my mama passed out? you know, from drinking or am I going to come home to a house full of weed smoke or a house full of loud music? Will I get some sleep tonight? You know, so when I say feeling welcome, just parents being intentional, you know, so yeah, I would, I would say that it's just not feeling welcomed in that way. What about the community that you, that you grew up in? Cause it, it sounds like you were saying that mom was like, everybody knew your mom wasn't messing around mm-hmm. and yeah. Darius wasn't going to be, out doing nothing, not hanging out with the crowd, right? Stuff like that. So, yeah. did you feel like that was isolating too in your in your experience of? 
the, uh, the overprotection as well as the instability? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Well, she was raising me on her own, you know, single parent. You know, once again, my dad was around, but, you know, my mom raised me, you know, so it was it was lonely. And I look back, honestly, loneliness isn't isn't necessarily a bad thing because I, I look back and see why God allowed that because it because it allowed me to be who I am today. You look at Jesus, he was alone. You know, he he went away by himself. And I look back on that and I can see like, hmm, like there was some good in that and some bad in that. So I think God used all that for the good of his purpose in my life. So, but yeah, I would come home after games and my mom would be gone, you know, out with our friends, you know, partying, you know. So, yeah, like there was some neglect there that I went through. But then again, I saw God's hand on my life, you know, guiding me and leading me. I'm trying to think about how a kid responds to that. Like, were you able to communicate how that made you feel? Not at all. Not at all. But I knew something was off, you know, during during the games or after the games, I would see parents with their, you know, with one of my teammates. And I didn't know how to communicate it, but I knew something was off. I knew something was weird. And, and I would ask, hey, mom, are you coming to my game? You know, out of, out of hope. Uh, but eventually, as you get older, you know, into high school, then you'll begin to kind of, you know, see see through things and, you know, kind of see why. But as a middle schooler, now high schooler, probably. So. Hmm. Man. And so when you're when you're in high school, you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Your normal becomes the normal. Mm, yeah. I was just trying to say that it was it was normal to me and a lot of my friends. You know, believe it or not, like a lot of mentors can look at a kid and think like, oh, like I feel bad for him. But to that kid, it's like, I'm good. <laughs> you know, like like to them, it's, it's, it's normal. And they don't they don't feel affected by it. And once they get older, they can look back like, oh, oh, oh OK, then. like I was neglected or but. By having that outlet of those positive environments really helped out a lot. So, yeah. It's good, man. So what was different about your high school experience and your elementary experience? Because it sounds like when you got older, you came to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, was your mom taking you to church? So my, so my mom did not go to church. I was invited to church by my grandmama, um, Dorothy Chapman. She told me to stay in church before she passed. So I always had that in the back of my head. And I just, I always felt like church was the right place to be. I, yeah, I can't really explain it. Like, I just felt like being in church and that was the Holy Spirit, of course. Yeah, I just felt like, man, church like gave me interest. Like, like I just, you know, felt like, man, I want to learn about God. And yeah, so in 2004, me and my mom was in an F4 tornado. So what I remember... We went to sleep and they told us that it was one coming, but I didn't believe it. I mean, I thought like all oh, this stuff we see on TV, you know. <laughs> so I recall my mom coming up the steps and I woke up to windows busting just psh, 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 and I had like glass all over me. And my mom pulled me in the corner and she said, God, if it's your will, let me and my son live. And 
the wind slowly died down. And I remember we had walked outside and across the street was a lady and her and her baby dead. And I was 10, 10 or 11. So that was like, oh, God, real. Like that was my God is real moment. And that kind of spooked me out a little bit. But that was kind of like my introduction to God and prayer is powerful. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So that kind of made me want to wanted to learn more about God. What? Crazy. And so and so that I mean, surviving a F four tornado and then you got grandma Chapman mm-hmm. speaking into your life. Mm-hmm. When did she pass away? When you were younger or she passed away around, around that time. Okay. Yeah, around that time. So I think ages ten to thirteen was was very vital in my life as far as God revealing himself to me. My dad's side of the family, all believers full of the Holy Spirit. My aunties, um, just, they, they love Jesus. My mom's side, they don't really know Jesus. So, yeah. And so as a, as a kid, cause I, you mentioned feeling like the church is where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like other kids had that same kind of feeling or, cause I, I feel like there's two things. There's like somebody who's really active in the church and there's somebody who's like, that's mm-hmm. not for me. No, I, man, I was I was just different, man. Like I tell my wife my story, and she was like, "How?" And I I, I was just different. Like, I just felt different, and it was just God. I mean, Jesus at age twelve, like I got to be in my father's house. Like I just felt like I have to be here, and that was kind of the, you know, the the thought process I had. Like I just feel like I should be here. And it, it just God, Holy Spirit, man. Now. I mean, in your experience, was there was there ever anybody around you that was doing that similarly, like that had that same experience? Not until high school. One of my best friends, Mike, who was an atheist, and I saw God transform his life. So we became close. But middle school and before that, no. High school, yes. Okay, so tell me, tell me about father figures, mentors in high school. What did those What did those guys look like? Share me any any stories that you have from mm-hmm. men investing in your life, teaching you how to be a man of God. Yeah, my mentor Stephen. I know we talked a little bit about it, but he was he was somebody who I saw like, oh, he's different, and he he's not like other men his age. And he was a college athlete, and yeah, I just felt like he was living for something bigger than himself, which kind of drew me in to wanting to hang around him. So I just thank God for him. And it's, it's many others, but we were close, closer than uh, than the other mentors in my life. So, yeah. And what what would he do, like, on a practical level? Mm-hmm. You, you're talking about not asking your mom to come to your games anymore because you mm-hmm. know she's not going to come. Yeah. What is Steven doing? He showed up. Simply put, he he showed up to the games. He was there. And he was a face that we knew that was going to be consistent. So, I mean, I think for every mentor listening, like, this is important. Show up consistently. I think that speaks a lot. That that earns trust way faster than you buying them a meal or you inviting them over to play PlayStation or whatever. Just showing up and being present, being a presence. Don't don't even have to say anything. Just show up and, and allow them to see you 
showing up to the games, the practices. So was um, he like screaming in the in the stands, like <laughs> nah, nah, pulling nah. out shakers and stuff? Nah. Darius, <laughs> let's go! Yeah, so so it was me and I say about seven other guys who he was investing in. So we all played ball. So yeah, we hung out, man. Yeah, he he showed up, invited us to his parents' house. We got to see his life. We got to see what what was his life like outside of him showing up and you know being in in young life and things like that so and for listeners that don't know what young life is can you kind of explain yeah so young life is a it's a global ministry it's all over simply put i mean they invest into people they build relationships with people to help them grow in their faith they meet kids on that turf It's, it's it's many young lives there's young lives for teen moms there's a high school young life there's wildlife middle school they have a, a young life what do you call it for military kids, they have a young life for kids with disabilities. So they reach a, a wide variety of adolescents. There's Young Life College as well. So, yeah, it was started in Texas, actually. Jim Rayburn, he was just trying to figure out why kids wasn't coming to church. And he wanted to create something that was engaging. And that's how Young Life started in the 40s. So, it's awesome, yeah. man. So Darius, as... High school student, rising football player. Tell me about your prospects. <laughs> man. What were you thinking about so, at that time? Was football everything? Man, what's, what's crazy is that I didn't even like football until <laughs> I seen all my friends playing it. And okay. I was like, I want to I do that. And I started in eighth grade, middle school, tried out, made the team, played defense. But I got to high school and I became a quarterback. Oh, you were QB. Yeah, what a what a jump, you know. So, yeah, so I was quarterback and played quarterback all four years. Played receiver my last five games because I broke my wrist my junior year. So, so you were still catching. <laughs> <laughs> so with this story, it's it's crazy, man. So I had fractured my wrist my junior year. So so during this time, I would say I was still kind of lost. My my view of God was off. I went to God when I needed something. We didn't have a relationship. Just when a tornado comes up, you're like, yeah, help me, God. Right, right. <laughs> so I remember I had, I had prayed to God. I said, this is this is crazy. I look back and I laugh and I'm like, wow. I prayed to God. I said, God, if I score five touchdowns next game, I'll go to church five months straight. <laughs> and then next game, I fractured my wrist because we had some scouts coming in. So I was trying to. You know, make sure I gave them what they was looking for and I fractured my wrist. But I didn't know it until the game was over with and it was a humbling moment in my life. But but my biggest prospect was Murray State. I was supposed to sign with them. Let's go, Murray State. Yeah, and my ACT score wasn't high enough, so they, oh, man. they couldn't sign me on signing day. My bad. <laughs> that wasn't me. I know that's my family, Murray State, but... <laughs> but yeah, well, you... You'd kind of mentioned in the beginning that you kind of had some idolatry issues. And mm-hmm. I know you write a you wrote a book mm-hmm. about your experience. I wonder if you could tell tell us about that. Yeah, so uh I wrote a book called uh, called Sports Was a God, aka Swag for short, and it stands for oh, I just said it, sports was a God, my bad. <laughs> and yeah, it just tells my story as an athlete, as a young man coming up, searching for himself and Every high school, middle school kid is trying to figure out who am I? 
and you can try to find yourself through gangs or through the cool crowd. And I tried to find myself through sports. I felt valuable. I felt noticed. I felt significant. And I remember my last high school football game. I cried because I felt like sports failed me. I just like I, I realized that, man, who am I apart from sports? I don't know who I am apart from sports. And that led me to search for myself through God and was able to see that all of my needs are met in him. You said you said that sports made you feel valuable, mm-hmm. noticed, significant. Mm-hmm. And I would say that every boy needs to feel those things. Yep. And is probably spending their life trying to get them. Mm-hmm. But sports isn't enough. Not enough. And and main, mainly it's relationships like that we receive those things in, but even even just your relationship with God, like mm-hmm. I'm thinking, man, everybody needs to see that God speaks value, that he notices you mm-hmm. and that he gives you a purpose and a significance yep. in, in being here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's just, it's powerful how in a way your relationships, you had a deficit. And so then you put sports in this place to fill that gap, mm-hmm. but it, it never satisfied. Yeah. Yep. That's why, <laughs> that's why Tom Brady can't retire. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Are you, are you, I mean, where are you at on the whole deflate gate situation? <laughs> oh man. Years ago with the Patriots, you're talking about <laughs> the deflation with the foot. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh man. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, tell, tell me what's next for Darius Person after you, you kind of figure out sports isn't enough. Mm-hmm. It's not meeting the need. Where did you go next? I had my eyes opened up. First guy had to reveal it to me. My mentor, he told me the sports wasn't everything. And it made me question myself. And well, it made me question him and say... Was he athletic? Was Steven athletic? Yeah, he was an athlete. Okay. And it, like, it made me say... It's one thing to hear that from me. Where it's like, <laughs> hey man, sports isn't everything. I'm over here eating fried chicken sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> when he said that, it, it made me ask myself, what makes him say that? Mm. Like, like, you must know something more important. And during that time, I didn't, like, I didn't, like, like, articulate that. But when I look back, that's what I thought. I was like, hmm, like, what do you mean? And, yeah, like, it, it made me... Just, just search even more for God and just, you know, find myself in him. And, and and I began to feel fulfilled and I began to feel satisfied. It was all fresh, you know, fresh to me. And, you know, when you first get saved and everything is fresh and new. And I realized like, oh, like this is what it's all about. Like I am made to glorify God, um, not glorify Darius person and, you know, not glorify the creation more than the creator. So I realized that God wanted to be in the center of my life. Everything should, you know, revolve around him. You know, many people say I put God first, family second, job third, sports fourth, my dog Sparky fifth. (laughs) But it should be, 
you know, God in family, God in sports, God in job, God in school. Like God wants to be involved, like in all of it, in all of it. Like that's like, really good. You wouldn't be a good father if you told Ben, like, "Hey Ben, uh, I want to come to your ball games, but not I'm, your." I'm, I got a quiet time. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna, I wanna come to your ball games, not your school plays. So let me know when you got a, a ball game. Like you, you wouldn't be a good father. Mm. So, yeah, God wants to be included, and kind of reminds me of the verse in. Ecclesiastes when Solomon said apart from him who can who can enjoy anything apart from God um I'm big on analogies and it's like when you get a meal and it's like the it's like the steak is the main portion and you have some sides right no offense to vegetarians out there but like if you just ate the sides you know you would like you're missing the main portion, like like you're missing the the meat, the bread, and and the stuff in life is just sides, man. You know, sports are sides. Like it's it's things that God has created to enjoy along with Him. Yeah. You know, but I think sometimes we want to exclude God, you know, and just take the sides. And the sides can be sports. It can be whatever it is, and it's not enjoyable because you're not enjoying it with. God so yeah that's good got me preaching on here man I've never heard someone say what what you said about it's not just about prioritizing God it's about him being in everything yeah and I I mean I think that's so true Mm -hmm. and I think the desire for well I guess kids probably would don't understand that yeah because it seems like churches over there Youth ministry is on Wednesday night, but then the rest of my life, mm-hmm. I'm doing my thing. I'm doing what I enjoy and I'll fit that in and I'll prioritize it, but it's not necessarily a vision that's being cast of how can I include God yeah. while I'm walking Sparky? Yeah. Is that an actual dog? I don't know, <laughs> but, but just it's God and yeah. it's not, it's not God first mm-hmm. though. God comes first. He comes first in everything, not just yeah. Many so people, you can get to the other stuff. Many people aren't they're they're not they're not including God in their dog's life, you know, so that's why they don't understand their dog because they don't they're not involving God and God created their dog. That's too that's too deep. Too deep. Too deep. I'm gonna go look at Sadie in my fa- in the face and just pray, have contemplative prayer looking in her eyes. Uh, see what happens. Sadie's my boxer, by the way. I do have a dog. Shout out Sadie. <laughs> So, so fast forward to when you start working for Young Life. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that experience. So you go from being mentored by mm-hmm. a Young Life volunteer to then taking a job working with Young Life Yeah. to essentially do what Steven did. Mm-hmm. Tell kids to stop trying to get into Murray State. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. But man, tell me about it. I saw my high school reflection. Mm. And you saw yourself in the kids. Yes. Man, it's, it's crazy. I think about Antrail, who played football. And one day I saw Antrail. He was at the end of the field by himself. And he was pounding and, you know, throwing a fit. And uh, I was I was coaching as well. Uh, I was coaching uh, the receivers. And Antrail played linebacker. And I walked up to him. And I was expecting Antrail to give me his spiel on why why he should be starting that week. Because he made a bad play the last game and coached. Yeah, I took him out and Antrell got a spot took. And he looked at me and said, Coach, 
football is all I got. And I was like, I'm looking at myself right now. And yeah, like that's that's the hope that a lot of these kids have is football is all I got. Basketball is all I got. And it's like, it's not true. And I wanted to help Entrell see his identity in God, but he moved away. You know, so that also inspired me to write the book as well. You know, to be able to put a resource in, in young athletes' hands to show them that Hey, sports isn't everything, you know. There's a God who loves you who can meet those needs that you feel like can only come through success or achievement in your sport endeavors. So, but I but I understood where it was coming from. But man, just like man, I got the answer, man. I got the answer. Just just stick around. But even in that, man, just trusting God with that. So. Hmm. Just hearing a kid say football's all I got. And like that being really real to him. Yep. Like he he lives in the reality of this is my shot. Mm-hmm. To be to be something, to be seen, to for someone to acknowledge him. Yeah. And just how desperate like a kid a kid can become if if they have to earn that significance or earn that value yep. and they find one place that they feel like they're going to earn it. And if they don't, then, then it's on them. Yep. Like that's, that's really challenging because we don't earn our place before God. We right. don't earn our significance or our value. Mm-hmm. We've been purchased yep. as we are. Yep. And I, I just, yeah, it just makes me, I wonder how many kids at the high school, right. Right down the road. There's a lot of entrails there. I guarantee it. Yeah. I guarantee it. Because I know in Texas, football is a big deal. And there's a lot of them out there. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me, I mean, walking through the school, seeing kids that, I mean, you're just seeing a reflection of yourself. How, what was the best way of building relationships, in your opinion? I mean, you're just walking up into the school meeting kids. Mm-hmm. And you said you were coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did that look like? Man, the first thing, and I think this is a, a tip for all mentors, is just learn names. Learn names and pray over those names. I think that's that's important because somebody's name is their value. Like they value their name. And that was my first step as I walked in the cafeteria. Just say, hey, what's up, man? What's your name? And that's when it started. So when I went, so when I went back to the school the next day, hey, what's up, Antonio? And a lot of these kids don't get called by name. They get called by other stuff. You know, they get called, oh, you're stupid, or you don't matter, or are you just like your daddy? Like that's all they hear at home. But to have somebody call you by your name and do it, mean it in a genuine way that earns trust, you know, so. Or if their name's being called, it's being called in a, in an aggressive or disciplinary tone. Yeah. And not like a, <laughs> I'm happy to see you. Yeah. Antonio. Yeah. Get over here. Didn't I tell you to clean your room up? <laughs> or, the, or, or I mean the coach, like, I mean, coaches, coaches know your name because they're trying to get you to do something. Coaches call you by your last name. <laughs> Brown. <laughs> Smith, what are you doing? 
But I mean, did was that the same thing for you as a coach? Like, because I, I know obviously coaches know your name because they're trying to get your attention, trying to mm-hmm. coach you, like send you in a different direction. But you kind of focus on names. Like, was that any different for you as a coach? Um, well, one thing with me was that I knew going in that sports was going to be my entryway into meeting kids. So I wasn't really like excited about coaching. I was just kind of like Paul. Like, I'm going to make myself a slave to reach many. This is your tent making. Yes. Yeah, so. Making wide receivers. This is your tent making. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm not a vocal coach. I'm not yelling. I'm not, like, I just, just not my character. It's not my personality. So, yeah, they didn't, they didn't know me as the coach who would yell or to, you know, to, you know, curse or nothing like that. So, yeah, I was just a positive influence representing Jesus. Yeah. I wasn't there to, try to win a state championship, I was there to earn earn trust with kids to get them to Young Life Club and to the face of Jesus. So that's good, man. Yep. So in terms of like the like a lot of our mentors are one to one mentors. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it or had any experience with watching just that individual approach of like investing in one kid mm-hmm. be be like impactful? Yes. When you get a kid by himself, man, you see a different kid. When you see a kid or a teenager in the midst of the crowd of the people, you see a different person. But when you get them by themselves and you ask them questions, yeah, you see a different person. Like You'll be shocked by how much you may have in common. You'll be shocked by how they're putting on the front. That's not who they truly are. I love, I love how Forerunner have those one-on-one mentoring relationships. Because you can hide in the crowd, but one on one is very impactful. So, yeah. So in the in the same way that looking at these students, you're seeing your experience from growing up, you're seeing it in a different light. Because I'm assuming it's just interesting to look back at what your life was like before Jesus, before you had an investment, and so you you're seeing that you're walking into this, I'm the Stephen for the Darius Mm -hmm. that was looking for value, significance, worth, all of these things. Mm -hmm. What, what else did you see at the high school? What challenges were the kids facing that, uh, that maybe were different than what you experienced, but, but you had to learn how to relate with and understand. And what did it look like to meet kids where they were at? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually, grew up similar to them. Manassas is one of the top third poor zip codes in the U.S. So it's, it's, it's impoverished. So a lot of kids don't have a lot of resources. It's um, a lot of gang activity. So you meet a lot of kids in gangs. Like the teen pregnancy rate is through the roof as well. And you have those kids who have both parents in the home. So it's like a mixture of everything. The ratio towards that is low, of course, but yeah, like I saw myself in many of them, and I also saw my peers in many of them as well. And I, I haven't seen the documentary about Manassas High School football program, mm-hmm. but I need to watch it. Yep, it's called Undefeated. Undefeated. I think it released in '09. Uh, Puff Daddy had bought the rights to it. Puff Daddy? Yeah, P. Diddy. Wow. So. Yeah, but I actually uh, coach under the coach. I coach under the assistant coach on the documentary. 
and he was just kind of telling the story of how like they used the football team, you know, in the sense of all oh, like we're going to get rich off these kids. Yeah. But from the outside looking in, it looks like, oh, like these kids are in a documentary. Oh, we're helping them out. We're making this film, but you you felt like it was using them. Yep. So, and that's a tip for mentors is like having the right agenda, you know, as you reach these kids, because a lot of them have a, have a wall up, like they have, they have a guard up, you know, because of things like that, you know, like I don't trust you, you know, so. I want to say they gave him like $50,000 or something like that, but this documentary like won an Emmy or something like that. So, Mm. yeah. Don't quote me on it, but I thought they should have gotten a big chunk of change, you know, for it to get that much, you know, you know, publicity as Mm -hmm. it did. Mm. So that's interesting. And I mean, I think part of that even maybe gets to, like you, you mentioned mentors who are in it for the wrong intention. Mm-hmm. What are some of the wrong intentions of mentoring? Do you yeah. feel like it's kind of like glorifying the the rags to riches story, or I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this kid from a gang into a I don't know like a a business owner. Mm-hmm. Like that's my goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Like. Here's what I realized, and and my mentor, he told me this when I came to Manassas. He said, God is already at work. I think we when we when we go on these mission trips overseas, like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna tell you Jesus over there. He's already there. God is already in this kid's life. It may not be to the extent of this kid knowing the Bible or, you know, but I believe that. God is already at work. Like that's 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 my thought process. It's like God is already here. God is already doing something at Lake Highlands. He's already at work. He's just involving me. God don't need me. I mm-hmm. think a lot of mentors think like, oh, like these kids need me. You know, what what would these kids do without me? Now, like it's kind of some truth to that, but God doesn't need us. God can send someone else, you know, like God can use anybody. God can speak to these kids in a dream and Hey, I'm God, you know, Mm. like if you want to, but he chooses to involve us. And I think that we have to be humble and have to be open. I think we also have to hold them loosely as well, because when you hold things tightly, you can, you know, grip it and you can stifle it and, and suffocate it. But when you hold it loosely, you allow them to be, in God's hands. Like, yeah. God, what do you want with this kid? Yeah. So just having those pure motives is is important as you hop in a mentoring relationship yeah. with the kid. Now, can you speak to the community aspect of mentoring boys and what, what has been your experience in seeing people engage kids at the high school? Because it sounds like you have your team of guys that you're investing in as a coach, mm-hmm. you have the kids that you're meeting. I I want to get a gauge for like the needs that you've seen or the places a community could invest. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, most of our mentors probably aren't going to the school. They're not meeting new kids. They're getting connected through an organization. But I, I wonder if you have any thoughts about what does the community investment look like in a in a high school for the kids that are growing up in a single parent home or growing up with 
just economic challenges and relational challenges, spiritual like gaps, Mm -hmm. all of those things. I don't know if you've recognized anything. For the community as in, for an example, like Highlands community getting involved with the high school. Yeah. Or, or like at Manassas is young life. The only group that's like hanging out at the high school, meeting kids. Yeah. Like when you're at, when you're at the football game, are parents there to see their kid and only their kid or are parents there to support Mm -hmm. the team and like Mm -hmm. other kids? Like, are, is there a connection? Mm -hmm. Cause I've always thought about that. Like everybody shows up to the game to watch their kid. Yeah. And how many kids are there with nobody to watch them? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, of course my story, my mom was in the, in the stands, in the crowd. I would just say just being intentional and being aware is important. Just taking advantage of those opportunities, you know, to step in and be to that kid what what somebody else isn't isn't being. Yeah, just showing up and being intentional. Yeah, I would I would say yeah. Because I I think that puts a I don't want to put a weight or a burden upon our mentors, but I think that 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 should make us passionate about our job to show up mm-hmm. is the idea that if I'm not showing up, who's showing up yep. for my kid. And that provokes something in me to engage and see my community in a different light. Mm. And just thinking about that, the verse where Jesus said, if you feed the homeless, you fed me. And what he, what he means by that is, is that, Hey, they belong to me. I created them. So if someone feeds your son, Ben, they f- are feeding you because he's a part of you. Like, he's a part of your family. And when you're serving these kids, man, like you're 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 serving Jesus mm-hmm. and you're serving God. And yeah, that's, that's also, you know, a part of having a pure heart is uh, I'm serving God. I'm not doing this for self-gain. I'm doing this because this glorifies God mm-hmm. and a kid sees God through me. A kid feels God's love through me. So can, can you share about your relationship with the parents of the kids that you were mentoring? Mm-hmm. What did those look like? Do you have any stories? Yeah. So I think about RJ, uh, one of my guys back in Memphis and he, his mom was involved in his life and his stepdad. And she was just open to young life. She was open to, me mentoring him and you're like she was just all for it and she was involved but you also have those parents who are not involved and they just whatever are are you going to young life club okay and you have parents who who are so far removed from their kid's life that they're they don't really know what young life is like they just see their kids coming in and out the door and as a as a leader, sometimes dealing with parents can be intimidating in a sense because you're like, oh, I want to do, I want to do they like me? I want to, are they uh, open to forerunner or whatever it is? But it's just a, a wide variety. But I've never had no parent like, you know, call me and, you know, cursing me out or nothing like that. I think a lot of parents are open, you know, to seeing their kids be invested in. And that's something I think of is like, Maybe maybe a mentor is the first time a parent is seeing someone take interest in their kid yeah. and love them unconditionally. 
and show up for them. And that's got to provoke something within a parent to mm-hmm. see that. Yep. For a lot of them, it's a relief of all oh, like, I'm usually the one feeding him or her. I'm, I'm usually the one that's, you know, trying to provide and, but I got, I got some help and a lot of parents are grateful for that. Yeah. So. Which I, I, I try to get myself in the mindset of thinking about really every parent like naturally cares for their kid. Their actions may show a different, something different than that Mm -hmm. because of distractions of life, the challenges of raising kids and, and trying to provide for them. Like you said, you said I was always provided for like there was always food on the table, but my emotional needs were going unmet. Mm -hmm. And I I think when a parent has the support of a mentor, Mm -hmm. particularly a single parent, how huge that is to know that someone cares about your kid Mm -hmm. and wants to wants to shore them up yeah. and meet their needs like that's huge yeah man that's that is huge and you mentioned what was my experience with parents one experience that I saw is one of my guys named Ladavion aka Mooney a lot of kids who come up in poverty a lot of parents see their success as a threat because parents who can't keep on the lights want their kids to work to help keep on the lights. So when LaDavion was talking to me, when I was talking to him about college, he didn't, you know, he was like, my mom won't sign the papers because she needs help at home. And I didn't know what to do with that. Like like this kid has so much potential. I didn't know what, what to do. So some experiences, you just are clueless, you know, so, so you're saying he, he needs to help out at the house and can't go pursue further education because that would prevent him from meeting kind of like the daily needs or mm-hmm. like making rent. Yep. If you go to school, I can't make rent. I need mm-hmm. you to work a part-time job mm-hmm. and help yep. it's crazy. keep what's normal, normal. Yep. Wow. So that's, that's one thing you have to be aware of and intentional about. And that was that was probably one of the most frustrating times, and you know, with my experience in ministry, because I can't go up to the parent like, "What are you, like, what are you doing, like, what do you mean, you know?" Or like, they're selfish of you to, but I'm not the parent, so yeah, all I can do is pray. So, which I'm I'm sure we have a listener or even myself where you're thinking, how does generational poverty? exist and like why does it subsist in our culture Mm -hmm. and that's a very practical reason that it would Mm -hmm. is that so you kind of assume that a kid don't care about school you kind of assume that a kid is lazy that's part of the reason why he don't want to go to college because he was told if you don't help out around here you got to go so what is going to be and this kid has this battle with loyalty with mom or my dreams. So that's tough. With life change or maintaining the way things are. Yep. And you gotta, you gotta check out a book called uh, hurt 2.0 by uh, chap Clark just talks about those different scenarios and you know, why teens act the way they do. And it just gives you, 
you know, input and different point of views of why. And it, and it just makes you see <laughs> the teen world way different. Mm. So. Her 2.0. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll put that in the show notes. Darius, this has been a fun conversation. Do you got any other practical encouragements from your experience working at Manassas or anything that would help mentors who are mentoring kids in high school? Man, I would just say, first off, just thank y'all so much for all that you do. God sees everything. Nothing that you do goes unnoticed. I know times it can get discouraging, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the success stories that I do have. Find those success stories and hang on to them and uh, praise God for them and just, just keep showing up. Amen. Amen. Darius Person, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This will not be the last time you hear Darius's voice. Because like I said, best podcast voice ever. Appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the You Can Mentor podcast. I hope you found something encouraging today in your mentoring world. I I just ask that you share this if you found it to be helpful. Just text it to somebody. You can click the share button wherever you're at, maybe on your phone or your computer or your tabular device. Tabular device, that doesn't exist. Just thank you so much for your support. We want to encourage mentors across the country to recognize the power of building relationships with kids in our community. And so would you consider becoming a mentor? Let us know. We'd love to connect you with a a like-minded faith-based mentoring organization in your area. Reach out to us. Find us on our website, youcanmentor.com. And if there's one thing you picked up from today's episode, let it be this. You can mentor.